five-yard touchdown, running in the first place for number one. Harris drops back, fades to the left, pressure on, and he goes down. Ja'Garrett Davis gets home, and the all-black sideline explodes here in Hamilton. Toward the five, it went through Marcus Dale's hands, and Kyron Moore, the presence of mind to catch it and step out of bounds at the five with 20 seconds to go. Pressure loads it up, goes down the field, taking a shot into the end zone. He caught it. Touchdown, Tiger Town. Brandon Banks, how did he do it? I actually had to catch myself and not yell Tiger Town uh, when I was on TV calling the, the BC Hamilton game because, hey, Brandon Banks actually got into the end zone again uh, for the first time in forever. I did not even think that at this point in the season we would be, I know some of it's because of injury, but Brandon Banks and Darrell Walker, both, both at this point in the season, fighting it out for their first touchdown of the year as we go into week number 15. Uh, crazy, crazy, Derek Taylor. Crazy. Danny Vandervoort leads them both in touchdowns. <laughs> Believe it or not. On four targets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. On four targets and in one quarter, he uh, he leads Brandon Banks and Darrell Walker in touchdowns. It is, it's, it's crazy time in the CFL, but we are so thankful to have you here with us on the breakdown. As always, thank you to our partners, Fox 40 and Sada City Brewing. Get back in the game with Fox 40. Visit fox40shop.com and shop coaching boards, gear, and much, much more. You can use the promo code CFP15 at checkout for 15% off of your order. Uh, they're essentially the staples of football, right? It's like you go to staples, you get your binders, you get your file folders, you get your chairs and your desk. The stuff you need to actually get work done for the business side, that's Fox 40 for you, okay? Think of them that way and use that promo code CFP15 at checkout and save yourself a little bit of cash. And Solid City, of course, uh, very excited to be with them throughout the end of the season. We actually just signed on to, uh, to finish the rest of the season with them, which is really exciting because... They've been a loyal partner of since we kicked things off way back in February of this year. And uh, you can, of course, go to their website, sawdustcitybeer.com. Go to our YouTube page as well, and you can see our Sawdust City Beer tastings. Always great to catch up with their brewmaster, Sam Corbet, and hang out and talk a little bit of beer and, uh, and life as well. We had a fun chat uh, with Flap Doodle, their English Best Bitter, a couple of weeks ago, where we essentially sat down, poured a pint, started talking about it and you said the, the idea behind this is to be kind of like an English pint that you would have at a sitting down at a pub somewhere in the English countryside. And then we just started talking about English pub culture and that was the whole conversation. So these things, these tastings on YouTube and we put them up in our podcast feed as well. They are not just us drinking beers and talking about the notes. It's larger conversations as to where the beer came from and kind of beer culture and where it has all uh, kind of originated from. So check that out as well. And I do want to mention, uh, of course, the guys, Connor and Wade, doing a great job with All Canadian and the OUA show. They've got a great couple of shows lined up for you heading into the Yates Cup, which will be next weekend. But it is the semifinals in the OUA. And of course, you can always check them out in our podcast feed here. All right. That is all of the uh, the front end stuff we have to make our way through. Very exciting show today that we have for you. This is something that DT and I have been planning to do for a couple of weeks. Uh, I just finished going through and selecting all of mine because what are we doing today, Derek Taylor? We are telling you who need to be the award nominees for each team. So uh, if you are a fan, if you are a voter, these are the right people to vote for. And I feel like there, there are spots where it's tricky and some teams don't really deserve a most outstanding player, but we kind of have to give one anyway. So we're going to do a, we're going to go at it that way, but we'll go team by team and we're going to do this in about 45 minutes. Yes. So there's going to be some zip to this. We won't get to touch on every player but we're going to touch on the big ones and see if we have any areas where we disagree. Yes, absolutely. And I, uh, this is, again, this is a larger discussion, but this is the purpose of this is to be kind of a, a sampling to give you the ballot of, okay, we've watched the games very closely. We cover the league very closely. These are the players we think are actually worthy of this. So let's go from West to East on this one. Let's begin with the BC Lions out there. The shoe-ins for me, when it came to the BC Lions, that I just, I didn't question them whatsoever, were, yeah. were Canadian Bo Lacombo, rookie Jordan Williams and MOP Michael Riley. Do you have any any feelings outside of that? Because Lucky, you could probably consider as an MOP candidate as a receiver just based on the impact that he had. Brian Burnham, fantastic as always, but I don't know if you can put him over Lucky this year head-to-head -head, or Michael Riley. Uh, Riley, easy. I want to give Jordan Williams some consideration in the Canadian, but yep. I think you're right in this bola combo. And rookie is Jordan Williams. It, uh, uh, shout out to Keontae Harden, but it's Jordan Williams there. Um, Offensive line, I didn't think was too... Honestly, BC's awards were actually pretty easily, easy for me across the board. 
Um, yeah, those three I have no contention with. But give me your uh, defensive player, offensive lineman, and special teamer. Special so, teamer required some searching, though. Yeah, so this is the interesting thing for, for me personally, and everybody has difference of opinion. I like to try and find a category to slot a player into and not double up. So you might have a most outstanding player nominee who's also a Canadian, but I tend to kind of lean to the idea of, okay, let me give one guy here and one guy there, just in, especially for this conversation, for the sake of it to spread the wealth and the conversation to other players. So offensive line, I went Peter Godbear, just because okay. I, I feel like he's been extremely solid in the middle and he's the future of the organization at center. If it, Riker Matthews were healthy all year, it'd probably be him. Suk Chung is a dominant physical player, but he, I mean, there's a lot of stuff on the fringe of the game where Suk is just like, you know, mixing it up. And I'm like, eh, Peter Godbear is clean and he yeah. has a lot of success and he's solid. So I went with him defensive player. I went with TJ Lee. And the reason oh, for the okay. reason for this, that I'm really intrigued by TJ Lee's season. And I was actually kind of taken aback by this when I was looking through um, at the, the game preparation for the BC Hamilton game that I called was if you look at TJ Lee's season, He's second in the team in tackles as a defensive back, right? Playing in that boundary half spot. Now, he's got 65 defensive tackles, but he's tied for the... Actually, he's just behind Adam Konar by, by two. Nine special teams tackles as well on the season. So that, mm-hmm. gets, that gets him up to 74 tackles. He's got one forced fumble. He's got a couple of interceptions. He's got six knockdowns. He's got two tackles for loss. He's been really active and all around the ball. And you look at their defensive backfield, Essentially, their their three best players are Jordan Williams, linebacker, TJ Lee, defensive back, Bola Combo, linebacker. Well, I've got Jordan Williams in as uh, the rookie of the year. I've got Bola Combo as the Canadian. TJ Lee deserves consideration, I think, in this spot because up front, they haven't gotten a great pass rush. And so I just I feel like he's been an integral part of what they've done. Uh Lee, I, I have his completion percentage against being about 65, which isn't a, isn't a great number. TJ Lee does great work. That's not an amazing number. I went boom Guachem on defense, mm. just as a guy who is consistently generating pressure yep. uh, in, a, in a line that sometimes struggles. Guachem and Bonner are kind of the guys that get after the quarterback. Uh, I went boom Guachem on defense um, for, for that reason. There's There are... Strangely, there are a lot of lot of guys to consider on that defense for a team that's won four football games this year. Yeah, it feels like they're better than that. But uh, and then in terms, really of, in terms of special teams that you talked about, I mean, this award is going to nobody on the BC Lions. So I'll just say this: and in, in terms of the kicking game, like <laughs> Takaru Yamasaki, see ya, Jimmy Camacho, yeah. goodbye, Nick Vogel, uh, don't think so. Uh, and so you're going to end up having to go with the return game because I'm not going to nominate Tanner Dahl, their long snapper. So well, Flintoff, the punter, was the one I went with just okay. because who's who's Sean in the return game well, at all? Like and Chris this, Rainey has not had a good year. No, he has not. He's got a 6.1 average in punt returns. He's got a 20.6 average when it comes to kick returns. Neither of those a good number. No, and the explosion is not there. So yeah, you're no. right. I, I had Chris Rainey down because I didn't know where else to go, but Flintoff, I, I agree with you in hindsight here talking this out. He's got to be the guy. Yeah, Flintoff, uh, yards above average per punt. He's at 2.6 which is normally it's a fine number. We're just in a year where Richie Leone is breaking that scale. Richie yeah. Leone is having the best punting year in the history of the CFL in my mind. So Flintoff kind of by default is the special teams player of the year for the BC Lions. In my mind, I feel bad. We don't get any uh, Keontae Harden in there, but I there's know. not really a spot to put him in. But uh, just because Jordan Williams as a rookie has been absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, Michael Riley, it's been a struggle in spots. He's had multiple games under 200 yards passing. Uh, but with with Lucky White, for me, Marsh, with Lucky Whitehead breaking his hand, there was honestly no one else I could kind of go to. Yeah, yeah. It, it boxed you in a little bit on that one for sure. All right, let's move yeah. on to the Edmonton Elks. Uh, some of these are kind of difficult because of how the Elks season has gone. So uh, um, spe- special teams, Sean White. Yes. Right? Right? Like that's okay. Got good. Uh, offensive lineman. I toyed around with the idea of Thomas Jack Cardilla. I toyed around with the idea of Kyle Saxlid. I have so much respect for Matt O'Donnell coming back at the age that he's at and the miles that he's got on himself and still being the leader of that offensive line and trying to hold everybody accountable through a difficult season. So mm-hmm. out of, out of respect for his career, this is a bit of a legacy pick for me, but I just went Matt O'Donnell. Did you go anywhere else on the offensive line? Uh, I tried to. I I, yeah. I tried to. I kind of went through every guy. Uh, I have Matt O'Donnell with nine pressures and one holding call uh, in ele- in his first eleven starts. Yeah. Those are those are good numbers. So I think Matt O'Donnell is a very. I think Matt O'Donnell's the pick from the offensive line. 
again, they've had struggles in spots and rotated guys in and out of tackle this year. I believe the one time that Glenn Suter tried to highlight Matt O'Donnell in a broadcast all year was the play where he took the holding call. And I was like, Oh my God, that is <laughs> terrible timing for TV to try and give him some love. But um, yeah. so, so that's the offensive line for them in terms of rookies. Um, to me, this was pretty cut and dry. Thomas Costigan has four sacks. Um, he's got 22 tackles and I know that there's some other names that are in, involved in the full, but I shy Ross is in there as well, but I gave him the Canadian nod and I left the yep. rookie for Thomas Costigan. Uh, I, I, I kind of, this was one of, this one is one where I struggled. I, I went with Niles Morgan also on that defense yeah. tackles. There were not a lot of candidates on, on the Elks for uh, that stood out as, as great rookies. So yeah, I, I picked a defensive player. Shy Ross with four touchdowns. I, yes. I think is, is nice. I don't know that he's even clear if he's clearly their best, the Canadian one became interesting because I'm like, Shy Ross, Mike Jones, where do I go with the Canadian on this? Do I pick a, an offensive line that's that's uh, struggled in spots? Um, yeah, rookie. I, I I stopped I stopped thinking about it too much because they're not winning the they're not winning the division at all. They're not winning the award. So right. uh, shout out to Niles Morgan for 47 tackles so far. Yeah, that's pretty good. Mike Jones in comparison with Shy Ross, because that's an interesting conversation I think they'll have in Edmonton internally amongst their media members and their voters and the team nominations and all the rest is Mike Jones has had a standout season, but I mean, he's only got nine more targets and he's only got seven more catches than Shy Ross. He's got two touchdowns. Shy Ross has got four. The average yards per completion is longer for Shy Ross. The longer play of the year is up for Shy Ross. Like it's yeah, backbreaking th- plays, right? Yeah, I think that's going to be the difference maker that'll give Shy Ross that nod. On defensive player of the year, Train Washington has more plays made throughout yep. the year. Where are you going, um, Marsh? Aaron mm. Grimes. Aaron Grimes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, our friend Nick Kowalski has Grimes in his top five coverage players. Nice. Uh, I think Aaron Grimes, he gave up a catch to Duke Williams, but it, it just showed me, oh yeah, no, Aaron Grimes is still right on this. He's yeah. stride for stride and hand fighting with one of the best receivers, most physical receivers in the league. I think Aaron Grimes has been fantastic. I, I couldn't believe BC couldn't figure out how to keep him. Uh, I th- And there's honestly, the Edmonton defense uh, at least the front has been maybe the most disappointing unit league wide this season, right? I yeah. think we expected Quaku yeah. Botang, and I love Serezna, but I think we expected more than you know. I think we expected a leader of the Elks to have more than like five sacks. Man, Quaku has two sacks. Matthew Betts has zero. Yeah, like that's that's, that's the heart and soul of their Canadian, their best Canadian. If you look at plays made on defense. It goes Train Washington, Niles Morgan, Aaron Grimes, Jordan Hoover is fourth at their free safety spot coming downhill and making tackles. Yep. After that, it's Keyshawn Bieria, Thomas Costigan, Jake Serezna, Darius Williams, Mike Moore, Derek Moncrief, Jonathan Rose, Jonathan Mincy, Christian Rector, until you get to Grant McDonald, who has all of their special teams tackles. And then it's Kwaku Boateng, Matthew. It's like you have to go a long way in terms of plays made to get to their defensive line. And that's damning for a team that we thought that was going to be their engine. Um, yeah. So, so I don't love that. That's why I went with Grimes in that one. And then <laughs> MOP. Uh, <laughs> this, this is one of the teams where you look at it and you're like, who's the most outstanding player on the Edmonton Elks this year? James Wilder? Is it? Can it be James I Wilder? Don't, I don't think we have a choice other than James Wilder, but this is the thing. When you go through other teams and you look, it's like Michael Riley for BC, Zach Kalaros for Winnipeg. There are shoe-ins. There are people that you know need to be in that conversation. Yeah. And then you get to Edmonton and it's like, I mean, James carried a lot of the load, 133 carries thus far, 5.4 average, but he only has two touchdowns. Like, yep. and, and I understand that having a running back be in the MOP discussion, you're going to need stand back type numbers in terms of production in order to really stand out and give yourself an opportunity to win this award as a running back in a league that throws the ball 70% of the time. But I see James Wilder and I'm like, I don't know, like who else can challenge that? And for all of the discussion that we've had this year, and the fact that he only has one touchdown, I was like, I think the only person that could possibly challenge is Greg Ellingson. Like 47 catches. Yep. I mean, almost 15 yards per completion. The one touchdown in a game against Ottawa. But I, I neither of their cases are strong. So I, it, for me, it was a toss-up. It was like, whatever, man. Like James Wilder, Greg Ellingson, they're going to get nominated, either one of them, and neither one of them are going to go on and win anything. Yeah, you wish there was a standout in sacks or quarterback pressures, but there's not. Yeah. Uh, Costigan at 20 leads the leads the team. That's half of the league leader in quarterback pressures. There, there's just not 
And maybe that's why they're a two win football team, but there's not even one guy that really, really pops uh, again. I think Grimes has had a fantastic season, but is that MOP? I honestly, it could be Grimes too. Honestly, yeah. Just, yeah. it's again, it's the Elks and they've got two wins and they're disappointments. So Wilder, uh, I, I just put Wilder and I put a question mark because it just feels wrong. There's no, there's no quarterback to go to Wilder's had an impact in spots but his numbers don't say MOP level nominee, right? It's not yeah. huge yards after contact. It's not huge yards per rush. Like you said, touchdowns aren't, aren't going anywhere special. It just not a great season for the Elks. So uh, I'll, uh, I'll tell you on, on Greg Ellingson, but I don't feel good about it. Honestly. Yeah. I'm with I love you. Ellingson, but I don't feel good about that being the, the nominee they put forth. Uh, we travel South. We go to the Calgary Stampeders special teams, Randy Paradise. Huh? Easy. He, right. Number one kicker in the league, yep. what, 13 points above expected. He's having yet again a, a fantastic CFL season, uh, 91% above, 91% on his field goals. Uh, it's it's Paredes, absolutely. Defensive player of the year. Defensive line strong with Sean Lemon, of course, and Mike Rose both having themselves seven sacks each. Darnell Sankey, 77 tackles. Yeah. That is way above anybody else on the team. In terms of defensive tackles, the second best player is Jameer Thurman at 52. Like Sankey has been everywhere, so I put him in. Okay. This, see, and this is one where I had Sankey as my number two. I think he's been fantastic. But I, I've got Mike Rose as a double nominee for the rider, for the nice. Stampeders, pardon me, defensive player and MOP. Uh, wow. Nobody's generating pressure from the interior in the, in the entire league like Mike Rose. The second game against the Riders, he just destroyed everything that was even uh, Jason Moss had a thought of something that would happen. <laughs> he came into Moss's dream like Freddy Krueger and just killed it. It was unbelievable how Mike Rose has been an impact player for them. So honestly, I have him as a, as a double nominee. I think Mike Rose has been fantastic. Uh, guys like him, like uh, uh, Micah Johnson of a couple of years ago, who can yeah. wreck things from the inside are just so valuable that uh, I think Mike Rose, because again, no stand, no real standout player on offense, and Bo's having an awful year as interceptions. Mike Rose is a double nominee for me. Yeah, that's interesting because I don't think there's anything wrong going defense there for Calgary as an MOP nominee. When I was looking at, it, I'm thinking, okay, because MOP for me, literally because of the the way that we describe this, like most outstanding, mm -hmm. he he is one of the most outstanding players on Calgary's roster, no doubt. The difference maker for me when they've had success, regardless of Bo throwing interceptions or Jake Mayer feeling out his game or Kamar Jordan in and out of the lineup has been Kadeem Carey. And yeah, like, I don't my number two, right. And I don't want to go with multiple running backs up for MOP because that doesn't make a lot of sense in this league, but in a down year for quarterback played a lot of sacks, given up more interceptions, all the rest. I'm looking at Kadeem Carey for Calgary. And I'm saying, you know what? You've been the most outstanding player when they've had success. That offense has run through you regardless of all of the things around the outside. So I put him in as my MOP. Now, rookie, speaking of Jake Mayer, I put him as the rookie. Uh, and the reason that I did that was just that it's so rare for a quarterback to come in a la Caleb Evans and show that, you know what? This team might not be great, but I can figure this out. I can do this on the fly. I can win a couple of games here and there. I mean, he gave them a shot to win in Winnipeg, which a lot of people forget about in the middle of the season. Um, Luther Hakanavanu was another one that was tempting because he's just fun and he's explosive. And I think he's got a bright future, but I think Jake Mayer at a quarterback spot doing what he did will probably away that Bryce Bell has moved around a lot on that offensive line. I got respect for him. I got respect for Zach Williams. Isaac Adeyemi Berglund has taken a ton of snaps defensively. So I mean, I, I think he's probably the the one that's closest to Jake Mayer, but I went there. Do you have somebody else? I went Stefan Banks. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, he's, he, I mean, uh, Rose and Lemon are the guys driving the sacks on defense, but Banks with with five. Uh, this is not uh, updated for week 14, but only, only two of them have been wins. He's had cleanups and coverage sacks in there, but I went five sacks and 12 quarterback pressures. Adiami Berglund, more pressure, but fewer complete you know fewer finished plays right. on def i just yeah i didn't see i didn't see a lot of other places to go because you mentioned the rookies in the receiving core i just don't think they've they've meant so much when you know there was a point where calgary had three of the top eight receivers in the league in yardage and where else are they where else are they going to get uh who else actually deserves some love besides the huff ambles right. uh 
uh, Jordan trio. It is early in the morning, so I'm struggling. No, with names, it's, it's okay. I'm just laughing because the idea that Huff was such an important part of them early in the season and then gets <laughs> let go, and now he's in Toronto. It's like, okay, sure. Bizarre. Yeah, very, very strange. But uh, but yeah, so that is Calgary. Uh, Sean McEwen offensive line, I think, is, is 100%. probably yeah easy one. And then Canadian, I guess, is my last question for you for Calgary. Um, That became a battle between McEwen and Paredes. And I... Paredes' season at, uh, again, almost 14 points above expected is really good. Um, McEwen's allowed the least pressure of any center in the CFL. So I, I think I had to go with McEwen, but Paredes right in behind him. Yep, I respect that as well. All right, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, DT is an expert in all things riders. Special teams, I had Brett Lowther. Offensive... It's, it's Brett Lowther for sure. Okay, yeah. yep. Uh, offensive line, Evan Johnson. Uh, that's where I am, yep. Okay. Uh, rookie toyed with Logan Furland, but Keen Schaefer Baker separated himself in a couple of games this year. Yeah. You're going to hate me, but I have two double nominees remaining. Ah, uh, okay. Interesting. Keen Schaefer Baker is one. I mean, uh, he, he, is he popped, the Canadian? He, he is also my, my top Canadian. Okay. Um, it's <laughs> that one's, that one's a contention because there's Micah tights laying out there as well as a yeah, leading true. tackler, but Keen Schaefer Baker's made impact plays and to, be a guy who was when Shaq Evans was down, they threw him at the boundary wide receiver spot. And that does not happen for Canadian players. And there's a bunch of reasons as to why that was for the riders, but you get the best cornerback when you are the boundary wide receiver and to see him take one, what was it? 71 yards against Calgary in a play that threatened to turn that game around. Uh, Schaefer Baker is, uh, he, he's the rookie of the year, I think, quite easily. And honestly, top Canadian, uh, though he just, in my mind, nudged out Micah Tights for reasons we can discuss. Yeah, Micah Tights is, is a really fun one, and I have so much respect for him playing defense and special teams, like being a starter and, and getting up and down the field. I, <laughs> I think I was incorrect in this one as well, but I, I mean, Keen Schaefer-Baker having 41 catches on 55 targets is extremely high efficiency, and he's got a 12.8 average. So those aren't all just checkdowns and crossing routes. Then I looked at Braden Lenny as having four touchdowns. Yep. And his his rate is actually longer per completion. He's got the same efficiency as Keen Schaefer Baker. So I went Lenny with my Canadian, even though I'm giving Keen Schaefer Baker my rookie. Uh, and the fact that they're basically the same guy in productivity wise, with the exception of Braden Lenny having three uh, three more touchdowns than Schaefer Baker does, um, that's where I landed on on that one. Uh, defensive Player of the Year. As well, you and I talked about this a little bit on your radio show on the Sports Cage on CKRM, and mm-hmm. I think you brought me around to Luches Purifoy on this one, where yeah. I feel like he's probably got because I mentioned I threw out Nick Marshall and I was banting about that you know he's around the football a lot, but then you really think about the impact Purifoy's had overall, and I just I don't think you can deny him. Yeah, Purifoy. I mean, he switches from field half to safety when Mike Adam gets injured and. This thing where Americans are playing safety now in the CFL is, is fantastic, by the way. But Purefoy is, is the guy who, who makes impact plays. We need to stop here. Boom, I'm going to do it. We need an interception because Montreal is threatening something in this game. Boom, I'm going to take it away. Uh, we need to do a thing uh, three games ago where I tell Jacob Dearborn that I'm going to be the Sam this play and he's going to be the safety. Purefoy is just so smart and so athletically gifted um i just want to pull up if i can uh his i mean his the completion percentage he allows he's he does doing really well sub 60 percent, which is nice. great um he missed a couple tackles here and there but purifoy even on a team that has a couple guys that are going to have double digit sacks i just think luches purifoy availability is is another big factor as well in my mind and just total impact I think that he's the straw that stirs the drink in this rider's defense. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, the only one that I, I kind of threw out there for MOP that surprised me when I was peeling through the numbers, because I don't think it can be Cody. And if it's not Cody, then you would look defense and you would probably look at Lucha's Purifoy. But should William Powell get any consideration for this? Because I feel no. like I feel like he's had a sneaky season in terms of productivity, but it's just been it's been the amount of work that he's been given, not the same as in Ottawa necessarily where he was kind of the bell cow type thing, but he's got 937 total yards, right? And he's, he's gotten decent yards per carry, but I, I, like I'm with you, I, I don't think that there's enough there. It's just, if we're talking about James Wilder Jr. for 133 carries on the year, well, Powell's got 154, but only a 4.4 average and only three touchdowns. 
Yeah, it, and it, the impact just hasn't been there. They they won a game against Ottawa in which they had 23 yards rushing from the mm-hmm. running backs. Um, his yards per rush, he is just above Timothy Flanders in the Canadian Football League. And I don't put this on, on William Powell. I don't right. think, think this is William Powell's fault in any way. Uh, he gets 2.1 yards before contact, which is not a not an amazing number in the Canadian Football League. Um, I just I, I couldn't go with a guy who's sub five yards per carry. You should be, as we'll find out with Montreal, you need to be six plus, honestly, yeah. for me, or, or an incredible catcher of the football. And he gets some run in the passing game with you know 35 receptions. But I just the impact in the running game has been negligible at best from the riders this season. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. All right. So that is the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I believe that we got all the awards in for that one. Uh Winnipeg next up. I I think Winnipeg presents oh, man. Winnipeg presents two of the most interesting conversations, I think, this year in, in award season. The first, <laughs> the first is defensive player of the year between the Jeffs, Jeff Coat Jefferson, and Adam Big Hill. Like, which position do you value more? What effect do you value more? Um, the overall ability to run the defense like Adam Big Hill does and still make a ton of plays? Or the ability of Jackson Jeff Coat to fill the stat sheet or Willie Jefferson's overall impact in the flow that he has on the game, because we've created this superhero mentality around Willie Jefferson and he earns it a lot of the time. Jackson Jeff coat kind of plays the Robin to the Batman, but Jeff coat's production is just as good, if not better in a lot of different ways. And then yeah. Adam big Hill is out there running around, making every play possible and running the defense and being essentially Mike O'Shea reincarnated younger, slightly smaller height wise, but making the same type of impact. So I went with Adam Big Hill because I have a lot of respect for what he's been able to do in that defense. And I I think he deserves more credit for holding that all together on behalf of Richie Hall. But the idea that we are getting to award season (laughs) and we have to deny Willie Jefferson or Jackson Jeffco being nominated for this to me is a little ridiculous. You should be able to nominate the best players overall across the league and not limit it to one per team. And the reason I bring that up is that the other discussion is Canadian on this roster where Andrew Harris the incumbent until further notice going to be nominated as the best Canadian, despite the fact injuries up and down all the rest. Nick Dembski might be the second best Canadian in the entire league when it comes to offensive skill position players that deserve to be nominated behind Andrew Harris when he's healthy and running hard. Nick Dembski is probably not going to get nominated here because Andrew Harris is going to. That's wrong. It's the same thing as Jefferson and Jeffcoat. They should be nominated. They're not going to be. I think if Big Hill gets nominated, that's wrong. I think this is why we need to shift the voting process to open the door and allow more people to be in the discussion in the big picture, because you're talking about three very good players in this spot on an excellent football team that all play a very important role that are not going to be recognized for it. Oh, and, and I think you could include three of the back five in guys who, True. if this was a different, different award ceremony or this if they played for different teams, we might be talking about Nichols, Alford, and Alexander as potential top defensive players and they're all they all play on the same damn team marsh yeah it's amazing um i i I like i like what you say about big hill this season they've really let him blitz too and i think he's up to about 18 quarterback pressures they're really letting him attack as that fifth rusher um jeff coat for me it was jeff coat and i'll tell you like he has a, a couple more quarterback pressures um and willie's uh impact at the line of scrimmage hasn't been the same as it was last year uh, when he was absolutely a monster, right? He's swatting passes. He's making sacks. Uh, Jeff Coat actually has more sacks. Gosh, let me just make sure I, I, I say this properly because yeah. I just kind of take in every play where they stop a guy at, at the line of scrimmage to, to account for it. So sacks, tackles for a loss, holding penalties drawn and balls knocked down at the line. Jeff Coat actually leads Jefferson. Whereas last time around, Jefferson was the, was the leader by laps because of all the knockdowns. (laughs) So uh, you honestly can't go wrong with any of those three, Jeff coat, Jefferson and big Hill. And uh, yeah, they should be three. Honestly, they should be like three of the four nominees for the award overall, but East West is, is frustratingly with us forever. Yes. Uh, And Zach Kalaros MOP is going to happen regardless. He's probably going to win MOP of the entire league as we think at this point, Uh, offensive linemen. I feel like, this was this is going to be counterculture, and this is going to speak to some of my Canadian bias. Uh oh, Drew Desjardins. What are we doing? What? Okay, <laughs> I'm going to need so, to hear something about Drew Desjardins. Okay, on if a you, line with Stanley Bryant. By watch, the way, 
watch the games close. This is the same argument I made for Brandon Revenberg to win the most outstanding lineman when he lost it to Stanley Bryant in 2019. Stanley Bryant is an exceptional tackle. He is asked to do less than the interior linemen are. And I only bring this up when it's an exceptional interior offensive lineman, which Brandon Revenberg was in 2019. If you watch the games, he's doubling nose. He's creating this, just caving in of nose tackles. He's getting to the second level. He's active enough. He's athletic enough to move around in the secondary, get blocks down the field. Desjardins is the new monster in Winnipeg. And I understand he's the new shiny thing, so it's easy to like him and want to choose him over. It's the same reason that Derrick Rose won the MVP in the NBA over at one point LeBron James, because everybody was just like, ah, we're just tired of voting for LeBron as the MVP. Hey, Derrick Rose had a fun year. Yeah. Uh, but the reason that I bring this up is he's asked to do more, and he is exceptional. And I understand he works next to Stanley Bryant. And you might say that there's an impact of, well, you know, he's going to have a good year because they don't even bother blitzing to that side because Stanley Bryant's just going to wash everything away. I, th- I do think those two things are interconnected, but I also feel as though I've watched enough of his games closely that he's doing the same thing Revenberg has done, where he's caving in openings. He is, I think, masterful in pass protection. Personally, you have more metrics on this, but to my eye, I've seen him be exceptional this season. Yeah. Isn't it funny how left guards that play next to Stanley Bryant end up being <laughs> super good? Isn't that <laughs> Travis Bond was the best left hey. guard in football for a while there? Um, <laughs> I, yeah, tackles is the harder spot. Like tackles is the harder spot with the athletes you have to deal with and the things you have to deal with in my mind. Bryant, once again, I mean, starts every single game, dominates every single yeah. game. The left tackle leader in quarterback pressures, he's allowed, I have him with one sack allowed this season and not even like garbage sacks, a guy who sticks with the play through all costs and just, just dominates. And just to think of the guy's, we haven't had a ton of love for defensive ends so far, but the, I mean, here, boom, Guachem is a tricky guy, like yeah. a tricky brand new player. Ah, I'm Stanley Bryant and you're not, I think Stanley's just one of the, yeah. one of the elite offensive linemen that I've, that we've had in the last decade for sure. Yeah, I don't want to go too far out with that, no, but I, it, I, I can't, I can't believe Stanley didn't win it in 19. All love the Chris Van Zyl. I can't believe Stanley didn't win it in 2019. Um, oh yeah. He, he should just, in my mind, sweep this award just until he decides he's done winning it. Plus, he wears the best suits to the awards as well. So <laughs> shout out Stanley Bryant. I think uh, for me, it's Bryant. And I'm, I'm, I'm just generally always going to go tackles over interiors just because. Yeah, and I had my uh, my Chris Van Zyl, Brandon Revenberg years messed up there. So thank you for correcting me on that. But uh, but yeah, I, for me, it's that's a fun one. That's a fun one trying to figure yeah, out where, where he slots in. Uh, special teams, it's not Ali Mortada, play that much. Uh, so it's going to be Janarian Grant for me in the return game because I don't think that their punting has been out of this world. But again, you have more data on that. Their punting hasn't been out of this world at all. Okay. Legio is uh, uh, Legio has been fine. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, sixth in yards above average per punt. That's a that's a nice number, especially from a rookie, but not worthy of the MOP nominee when you have. Uh, yeah. It's it's kind of this one ended up being Grant by default for me too. Mm, okay, and then rookie DeAndre Alford. Is there any discussion? Done. Yeah, okay, done. Awesome. Just done. Like, yeah, if he played for Ottawa, if he played well, not Edmonton, if he played for Ottawa, he might be their defensive player of the year. Yeah, he, totally he, fair. It's it's been. I really wondered what they would do, Winnipeg, on that boundary side with the losses that they had with Winston Rose leaving. He's eventually back, but man, those those two guys right from the start just. Just locked it down. It's been very impressive what Winnipeg's been able to do back there. A lot of credit to the Winnipeg scouting staff and Kyle Walters for knowing who to put in those spots and bring into camp. Because you're right, it was uh, that was supposed to be a weakness, and it was yeah. not right from the start of the year in that first game against Hamilton. Albeit Jalen Acklin touchdown first drive might have been a little bit of the feeling out process, but uh, but yeah, that's that's been pretty smooth afterwards for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Before we go from Winnipeg, yeah. Marsh, yeah, you you have Harris and not Dembski as Canadian. I'm going to need some backup on that when Harris has not played many of the games this season. Yeah, this is for me, uh, I think a little bit of that legacy pick, like I was talking about with Sean McEwen, where when he's healthy, I think he's still been really effective. And I don't think there's anything as powerful on the ground with William Stanback included in this conversation, potentially, than Andrew Harris behind that offensive line when healthy. And I get it. He's been dinged at the start of the year. He's been dinged in the middle of the year. But there's been a couple of times, specifically Labor Day, and hey, I know Saskatchewan fans, you're still pissed off about the grabbing of the helmet and not the suspension and all the rest. But 
when he when he was running hard, we went into Labor Day and the Banjo Bowl thinking, wow, this is a matchup of the top two teams in the league. Let's see the, how this plays out. And both those games, it was Andrew Harris punching your face in. And so mm-hmm. I, I take that. And again, I get it's a season year long uh, award and not just a couple of games, but I looked at that as him at his best having a bigger impact on the game than Nick Dembski at his best. But with that being said, if Dembski gets nominated, Dembski has as good a chance to win the Canadian of the year in the entire CFL as Andrew Harris does in my mind. Like whoever they decide to put up there, I would say they're more likely to go Andrew based on where he's at in his career. I think Nick still has more good years in front of him. But again, I would love to see both of them discussed during Grey Cup week as, as getting the credit for the great seasons they've had. And they just can't because of the way that we frame these things. Yeah, I think is I think whoever they put up wins the Canadian of the Year yeah. award. Um, uh, yeah, I just think I, I I think Harris has been Harris has been dinged. He's been knocked up. It's at five point four yards per carry is nice. He's had very little impact in the passing game, which is strange to say. He's got a William Standback level of catches, and some of that is just his uh, availability gets in the way. Um, I, I just think Dembski is just that multi-tool weapon of, hey, uh, we're going to run him from the slot. We're going to run him from the running back. We're going to throw him this. He's going to beat this guy downfield deep. I I just have a real love for Nick Dembski. And the Andrew Harris injury situation gives me the opportunity yes. to, to put forth Nick Dembski. Uh, nothing wrong with Andrew Harris this year at all. Honestly, for me, it's just availability. And yep. injuries sometimes screw you out of what could be really great seasons. Dembski's so dynamic like oh, it, it's man it's amazing the things he's able to do he is as good a multi-threat player as we have in the CFL right now and he's Canadian and I, I love watching him play so I won't be angry at all if he gets the nomination because I got a lot of love for that guy so yeah um, all right let's move on to the Hamilton Tiger Cats here uh, I mean honestly for me I'll throw a bunch of names at you but this is how my ballot runs down for Hamilton hit me special teams could have been Taylor Bertolette, but I think it's got to be Frankie Williams. Bing. Uh, defensive player of the year could be Simone Lawrence, although I'll get to him in a minute, and I like to split these things up. So I went Cariel Brooks because I think he's been as good as anybody and near the league leading interceptions all year long. Okay. Um, offensive lineman Brandon Revenberg. I mean, Bing. Chris Van Zyl, I think availability is what we talked about with Andrew Harris. Van Zyl has been out, and the rest of the pieces have been moving and switching and all over the place. So um, rookie, I didn't anticipate this one coming into the year, but Stavros Katsantonis has been everywhere and he's jumped out to me. Tyler Turnowski has been fun and worked his ass off on special teams. Coulter Woodmans, he's gotten some starts here, but I don't think he's been exceptional. I think Stavros Katsantonis has been exceptional. He's been very, very good for Hamilton through the back end of the season. Specifically, he's taken advantage of some of the moving and shaking they've had where they've gone with that two safety look. Mike Daly's out of the lineup. So Daly used to be that second free safety in for Mark Washington's defense alongside Tunde Adelike. It's Stavros right now, and man, he's been he's been a lot of plays around the football. Um, Canadian could be Tunde Adelike, as I mentioned, still making a lot of plays, and and he has an impact on the game. I think it's Sean Thomas Erlington into the end zone. Really, five, I think four or five times this year. Oh, and, Marsh, and the, but the reason I say that is you could go offensive lineman, Chris Manziel, Brandon Revenberg, double nominee, whatever. Uh, defensive line, I mean Ted Laron is consistent, but the production I don't think is there overall this year. So absolutely not. No. So can't yeah. Be, so can't I, so I've decided to go with Sean Thomas Erlington because uh, kind of the same idea as Kadeem Carey. When Hamilton has been at their best, the running back spot as a whole has been good. But Sean Thomas Erlington has played an important role in them having success. And then MOP Masoli has made a really great late season push. Not only has he held on to his job, but he's playing at a really high level that will probably get him the spot. Yeah. But if but if I'm going to go Carriel Brooks on defense as you know, the kind of sharing the love, as I say, in terms of uh, how they're going to go. Simone Lawrence has had a hell of a year. I mean, he's got the the three interceptions, the two pick sixes, I believe, off the top of my head. He's got a ton of tackles again. He's been in the middle of the fray. He's the face of the defense. He's arguably the face of the franchise. And, and let's be honest about this as well. Masoli having three, four, five good games at the end of the season doesn't make up for the fact that both he and that offense as a whole, they've been eighth or ninth in most statistical categories throughout the year. The defense is what Hamilton has relied on to have any success this year. The offense is coming around, but I think if you're going to go defense and you're going to go most outstanding player, I don't want to put Kerry Brooks in that spot. So now I go Javon Santos Knox. No, Jagger Davis. Good, but no Julian Hauser. No, like I, I go down through the list and I go, Simone's got to be the guy. If you're going defense, I think for Hamilton. Yeah. Um, I, I went Masoli because it's, it's been, 
it's been uh, it's been really nice. The beginning of the season was an absolute struggle, and then the injuries. But it's been really nice, and that was that was almost by default. Revenberg in the offensive line, uh, Frankie Williams. Uh, I went Revenberg as my Canadian as well. Uh, Katz and Tonus is is the he's the third safety now, the second safety uh, where uh, Revenberg has been out there every game and slugging it at the, at that guard spot. Yeah. Um, but defensive player, you're making, you're convincing me. Simone Lawrence should probably be the play here. I went Jamal roll. Mm, yeah. um, his coverage, his coverage numbers are are fantastic. Uh, yeah. Simone probably deserves some love. I just, I tend to with will linebackers. I try to look past raw tackle numbers yep. and the, the evidence that you gave uh, goes above and beyond tackle numbers, right? Four sacks, three interceptions, three knockdowns, one tackle for loss, two pick sixes. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's filled it up in it. Like him and Bola combo yeah. to me are the two that have filled it up the most at will linebacker this year. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and put Simone Lawrence in there. And I went Desmond Lawrence as my rookie. Oh, for the okay. uh, just, just because he, he's gotten some run in at that boundary cornerback spot. And that's a, that's a that's a tough spot to uh, to play in. So versus uh, uh, that's the one where you had Cats and Tonus, right? Rizrogi? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just yeah. Boundary corner. I went guy who had to start some at boundary corner versus uh, depth defensive player. I, I I thought Desmond Lawrence probably deserved a little a little love in there. And I mean he numbers out pretty well as well. Adding a couple of sacks by my counts and an interception. And man, Hamilton. Hamilton's another team that can cover. If yeah. their offense can get its stuff together, they're they're going to win the East by ten points uh, in that I, West fun, in that I, final. I apologize to fans of the East, but we only have about eleven minutes left, and I have to rifle this off before I got to get to a meeting. So, Tor- Toronto Argonauts special teams: oh. Boris Beattie, yep, Defensive Player of the Year Dexter McCoyle. Which Ooh. the reason yeah. I say that is it's kind of ridiculous. Dexter McCoyle's got nine special teams tackles. And 60 defensive tackles, two quarterback sacks, two interceptions, three knockdowns, four tackles for loss. He's filled it up as well. The closest in terms of overall defensive plays is Chris Edwards at 51. McCoyle's got 80. <laughs> like, <laughs> to me, he, he was one of the easier picks. Peter Nicastro is my offensive lineman just because yes. I, have, I have a lot of respect for him moving around. He's not going to win rookie of the year because Sean Oakman is with his six sacks. Um, yeah. And so that leaves essentially Nicastro is the offensive lineman. The rookie is Sean Oakman. Canadian, you could go Enoch Mwamba. That's probably what's going to happen. I think it should be Curly Gittins Jr. Like, you nailed it. Yeah, yeah it's got to be. That's the discussion for Toronto. Be. And then for MOP, I don't think it could be McLeod. I don't think it's going to be one of your standout defenders, personally, maybe Dexter McLeod. But I know he's not going to win this, but I, I just love DJ Foster. <laughs> Like I, I didn't, I didn't know what else to do with Toronto. What did you do for your Toronto MOP? Um, I, I was stuck between defensive players. Um, I have, I have Oakman with a couple more sacks just on plays where he wasn't the yeah. first guy there. Um, I, I was really debating between uh, Oakman and Dakud as, as who is the defensive player of the year. And with no real viable candidate on offense, yeah. they were, that guy's going to be my, my MOP nominee. Now, Foster uh, is well. split. Foster split the backfield, obviously, with John White throughout the year. And yep. I think what's skewing my mind is that I saw him do what he did to Winnipeg Week Three when they beat them at home, and then I saw him use both the pass and the run throughout the year, like the screen pass that he caught against Ottawa at home in Week Ten. I think it was like he takes that to the house. Great blocking, great scheme. But he, I mean, he mm-hmm. separates. His speed is so good. His hands are fantastic. He runs between the tackles. That that's not worthy of an MOP, but given the options, I was like, I don't know. I just I love that guy, and I think he's outstanding. So I I picked four point five yards per carry, Marsh. Not great. <laughs> <laughs> not great. Uh, shout out to Tristan Deku. Uh, sub fifty percent completion percentage against is a is a fantastic number. That's a defensive backfield filled with monstrously tall guys, big guys who yeah. want to beat you up. Forty four percent completion against yeah. is is a tremendous number. Uh, this is another team that though they they're good and they're going to maybe well okay they'll finish second in the East in my mind. I, I don't see super elite guys, so I had to go with kind of is Sean Oakman going to get nominated for three awards because of the sack totals if he puts up a couple more sacks mm-hmm. in these next couple of games? That's uh, Toronto's going to be an interesting one. Curly Gittens Jr. all the way though yeah. as Canadian. That's that's a great call by you. 
Yeah, I, I love it. I love that he's coming on too because he's a good dude and I've always seen that potential in him and to see him actually bring it to fruition is fantastic. So yeah. um, the Ottawa Red Black special teams, Devontae Dedman. <laughs> I, I wish it could be Richie Leone because Leone is literally having the best punting season I've ever seen. Really? But it, it's it, he's every punt versus the average CFL punter is almost eight yards better. Every punt from his own end, plus territory, those middle of the field punts, eight yards better per punt is crazy. Yeah. So I wish there could be, but Devontae Devon's going to win the league-wide award. So yeah, it's, yeah. It's, that's easy. Too many return touchdowns. No value can overcome that. He's a, he's a great story. He's a lot of fun. Avery Williams for defensive player. Uh, yep. Mark Cordy as offensive lineman. Uh, yep. rook, rookie of the year. Not always the sexiest thing, but Ryan Davis. Like it, yep. it, he's kind of been the definition of their season where it's like, wow, he's really talented, but it's not quite good enough, but he's got an opportunity. He's made lots of plays Canadian. I think Nate Bahar is actually a home run. Um, I oh. just, I feel like he's had enough of an impact as a Canadian receiver that offensive line, you could go Cordy in the double nominee, but if I'm sharing the love, I think it's him. And then MOP is Devonte Dedman for me as well for Ottawa. Oh, you went special teamer as MOP. Yeah. Who's, who's more <laughs> outstanding on Ottawa? I guess it's like, you could go defense with Avery Williams, but Who's, yeah. made it, who's made a more tangible impact on their success this year? Is it been Deadman or has it been Avery Williams game to game? And I mean, that's the, a real good one. The progressions I, I, of Avery Williams, I think, is important, but Deadman is he's the game breaker. He's the speedy B of 2019. Yeah, I went, uh, well, apart from the 1600 yards of the offense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I, I went Avery Williams just because that, that defense in my mind just. Uh, it it doesn't work w- without Avery Williams. That's a real good case for Deadman, though, as the team MOP. Mm-hmm. Uh, out if you if you focus on the outstanding part, Deadman versus every other returner in the league, he is outstanding for sure. Uh, Cleon Lang was my Canadian. Yeah, that's it's fair. A, I mean, Bahar needs some love for the quarterbacking as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. and that's yeah. and uh, Nate Bahar is just a just a great dude and yeah. a, and a dude who. When he's done playing football, he's going to do some really incredible things. He's already doing country. cool stuff, and he's playing. I don't understand how. Yeah, um, I, I just I went Cleon Lang. He's had some impact on that defensive line, and uh, it's just it's going to get better and better. I, Richie Leone needs a nomination somewhere, and that's this is the problem with um, he's going to be the first All Star punter, but he needs some more love than that. All right, Montreal yep. MOP is pretty easy for Montreal. Yeah, uh, yeah, William Standback is the shoe in. Yep. Yeah. Um, what what else you got? Chris, uh, a- Chris Aki. Ooh. Yes, Chris Aki is my Canadian. Um, yep. I, w- I went with him just because there's no stand. Kayon Julian Grant is the closest thing in terms of receivers. There's, I mean, Jezrin Antwi is a running back, but he obviously was stand back back there is not going to get enough love. So, um, yeah, I went with Chris Aki on Canadian rookie. I think it's going to be David Cote, the kicker. Um, and, and, and the reason I say this is that like the other t- option that I liked was Mark Antoine de Croix, but I just, yeah. I don't think that there's necessarily enough there for him and Jezrin Antwi, like I say, in a standback backfield, you're not going to get enough statistical production to probably be involved in that. But Jezrin's looked really good when he's gotten in, uh, C- Christian Matt was my offensive lineman and yes. defensive player of the year is money hunter for me. Oh, um, it cannot be overstated how good a season money hunter is having. They move him to that boundary side. Yeah. Again, sub 50% completion rate against. I just want to make sure I have the, the right number. Uh, two interceptions as well. Okay, he misses some tackles, but that's that's life at a corner. Uh, going into week 14, I had him 45 times in coverage, allowing 18 receptions for sub five yards per target. Those That is nuts. Like that is, you need to be the East nominee for most outstanding defensive player at that at that levels of numbers. And and Woody Barron's put up some good good digits as well. But Money Hunter uh, is this season been twice the player. Honestly, I thought he was. It's yeah. fantastic, and props to him for that. Um, Christian Matt, yes, stand back, yes. Uh, Rodney Randall Jr. Need, could deserve a little love on the uh, on the rookie side. Special teams, I honestly. Mario Alford got injured, but yeah. they just Cote's been about average, which fine. Um, Zima, I, th- I think Zima's been a maybe a little below average in the punting world. Oh no, he's he's right about average in the punting world as well. Uh, but man, injury problems make that a real hard sell uh, for them. And then uh, is that Canadian Chris Aki is the top Canadian? They're letting him get after the quarterback and do some blitzing. So Chris Aki 
I, I just love Chris Aki, period, as yeah. a player. So I'll, I'll say this as well. Uh, when we put out our all-body team, Jamal Davis is going to be one of the starting defensive ends. Uh, ooh, <laughs> I don't know, though, because he's got competition with AC Leonard and Boom Guacham on the all-body team. Uh, but we will uh, we'll put that out because I appreciate the hell out of him. And who is your all-body team defensive tackle? Is it do you go it, with with Steven Richardson or do you go with somebody who is more prototypically sexy? It's probably I mean, I mean, Oakman is the is the natural oh, yeah. default, right? Like that guy is the meme <laughs> defensive tackle. You know what I want to see? Yeah, just just I want to see a gray cup between Toronto and Winnipeg just for the sake of somebody taking a picture of Sean Oakman standing next to Steven Richardson and being oh, like my, and be yes. like, hey, these guys play the same position. <laughs> the post-game hug. Where Richards is around his waist, essentially, right? Hey, yeah. man, it's great to see you. Yeah, we play the well, same. We do the same job. And and we 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 tease about Richardson's size. He is so effective. He's oh so my good. He's so oh good. my goodness, he is good in that interior. He he's. I mean, that whole defensive line. Love to Jake Thomas too. Like now that I'm whole just defensive th- line. I'm just thinking about like a Mr. Potato Head situation where somebody has Stephen Richardson's body, but Sean Oakman's arms. <laughs> <laughs> Just picking up nickels off the ground from a standing position. Just uh, standing there like four foot eight off the ground with arms that can reach the other side of the offensive line if you wanted to is uh, yeah. is, is so much fun. But uh, anyways, this was drinking from a fire hose because we were up against it for timing. But DT, thank you for slamming this in and making sure that we get this uh, this out for people. I think a lot of people will enjoy this and hopefully it helps on some of the uh, the bouts. I don't know if media members listen to any of this, but uh, but hopefully it will uh, will educate some fans on people that you should be appreciating from your own team. Even if they don't win an award, it's it's meaningful, right, to have these opportunities. Yeah, Kalaris is the MLP of the league, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. yeah I, th- okay. I think it's going to be stand back against Zach Kalaros and Zach Kalaros wins uh, is, is my prediction for that. And maybe next week, when we have a couple of minutes off the top, we should just predict our winners, like out of the nominees Absolutely. that we've given. We'll follow up next week. So stay tuned to the breakdown next week. We will have all of that for you. He is Derek Taylor at DT on SC is where you can find him on Twitter and on Instagram. I am at TSN underscore Marsh. We are the breakdown. Looking forward to chatting with you again next week after week 15 of the CFL season. Have yourselves a great day and thanks so much for listening, everybody. 